This is the Horse Radio Network. This is episode 358 of the Stable Scoop Radio Show. Oh my God, that face. Really, oh my God, that face. Please support our sponsors as they make this show possible. Our sponsors this week are Equisketch and EasySignsOnline.com. This week, Helena and I learn about a stinking cute mini pony with only three hooves, Ginny the Lionheart. Then we get a course in horse shopping in Europe with HRN's own jumping guru, Emily Thompson. Plus, we talk new fair foods across the country in our Would You Eat That segment. Welcome to the Stable School. With weekly shows delivered right to you. With Helena and Glenn the Geek, live from the stable, it's every week. They bring you the news through hail or high water while using their tails as their own fly swatters. So sit on down and laugh till your poop, cause it's time again for Stable School. Stable Scoop. Stable Scoop. Stable This is Glenn the Geek. And this is Helena B. And you're listening to the Stable Scoop Radio Show on the Horse Radio Network. Well, howdy, Helena. Howdy, Glenn. You survived the storms that came across the country the other day. I saw that you were you had a tornado watch up there in Rhode Island of all places. Yeah, it was a dud. It was a, a 15-minute you know, uh, condensed storm cell, but we lost power for a while. And the tor- a tornado did touch down in Rentham, which is just north of here over the Massachusetts border. So I thought it was, and you, you know, sound I never, disappointed. We want it to be a dud. That's good. We thing. want it to be a dud. We <laughs> definitely want it to be a dud. I, I am so jaded by the news and the hype and mm-hmm. the drama and the crappy headlines and all that clickbaiting kind of thing. I, I guess I'm just so jaded that I, I actually, well, but I have this also, this weather alert thing on my phone, which comes from NOAA and it's kind of legit, you know, it's what the sailor people around here have and farmers and stuff. So I get an alert on my phone that says active tornado watch in your county. So I was like, oh, all right, maybe that's legit. And it was legit there, you know, yeah, right, the, right up the road there. Conditions were right. I remember when we lived in Massachusetts. uh, Remember they had those couple tornadoes that hit western Massachusetts and did a lot of damage? Uh, Yeah. Yeah. And yeah, uh, Springfield got nailed a couple of years ago. Speaking of which, uh, we are in the midst of one of our afternoon thunderstorms, which in Florida don't come across as uh, like yours does in a front. Mm. They just build over your house and sit there for hours. So right now we have one that's been building over a house and sitting here for hours. It looks as dark as night out. So we'll see how long we can go with our recording today and how far we get before I have to shut everything down. At this point, uh, I think we're good. The uh, lightning is still, uh, you know, five seconds away. So what do they say? It's about five miles. When it gets one to Missis- about, yeah, when it gets about two Mississippi, I'm going to have to go. So, <laughs> uh, but uh, right now we're, we're just uh, sitting here rumbling. Poor dog. Every day this happens. Today it just happens to be early. We're recording this around one o'clock, and it usually shows up at three on the on the money. You can count on the storms starting at three. And today it was early, and the poor dog. She hates storms. She hates loud noises. So it's been a rough couple of weeks for her. Uh, every day, every afternoon with the rumbling. And it just rumbles and rumbles and rumbles and rumbles and for hours. Uh, it's kind of strange, actually. you kind of got to have to get used to it. But we have a fun show planned for you today, as we said in the opener. And uh, we are going to talk about one stinking cute little pony. Uh, and oh, that's... my God, that face. <laughs> I know. You will understand why we've titled the show, Oh, My God, God that, that face. is for this stinking cute pony we're going to talk about in just a minute here. And then also, uh, we have a friend of ours, Emily, coming up. And then, you know, instead of doing Attack and Habit segment on a new product, I just wasn't in the mood for that today. So I wanted to talk about food. 
And the, I can't talk about food with Jamie in the morning because she's a vegan. And just pretty much everything I talk about, she doesn't eat. So what fun is that, right? Uh, but you and I have talked about food since the show started eight, almost eight years ago. And so we're going to talk about new fair foods from around the fairs around the country. And we're going to talk about new fair foods for the 2015 fair season in a segment I have titled, Would You Eat That? So we'll find out if either one of us would eat some of this stuff. Did you realize that fair food accounts is a 200 million dollar business across the country every year no the minnesota fair alone sells 30 million dollars in food during their fair run (laughs) oh my god i know and we are coming up in the fair season right now in the in some places up north and uh, i guess yours are more in the fall aren't they yeah, yeah, it's too hot to go to a fair around here in yeah. the summertime. Yeah, we don't do anything in the summer here. So, although we yeah. are going, I didn't tell you this. Uh, we're going midi. We're going to Medieval Times on Sunday with my brother and his wife. So we're going down to Orlando, going to Medieval Times, and uh, we'll give you a report on that next week's show. We haven't been. We've been many times, but we haven't been. They've changed the show last year. We haven't been since they changed the show. So what did they change about the show? I don't know. We'll find out. I have oh, no oh, idea. How do you know there were changes? Because they had all kinds of press releases and news stories about how they've changed the show for the first time in 20 years. Oh, but so, they didn't tell you what it was. They're going to make you show up and yes, find out. Yes, I guess we'll show up and find out what they did. And uh, actually, we had a good group on. Those, those dinner shows like that now are $60, $70 a ticket. And uh, we had a group on for like half price. So we thought, ah, let's just use this, go down and, and check it out. So we're going to, I'll give you a report on Medieval Times next week and let you know how it is. Yeah, I love that stuff. I haven't been to a Renaissance festival since, uh, well, I used to go to Sterling Forest in Tuxedo, New York. Oh, yeah, I know Sterling Forest. We, we've been up there. Yeah, that's a big, big yes. one. And it's on the side of a mountain. You get tired on that one. <laughs> you do get tired about that. I used to. I was a ski instructor in Stirling Forest for a number of years. That's where I learned how to ski as a kid. So when we, we owned the act, when, oh no! When we first met, Jennifer and I was at the Pennsylvania Renaissance Fair, and we had acting classes for a couple months leading up to doing the fair. It was at the very beginning of the Pennsylvania Renaissance Fair, and one of the things they did was put us all, all like twelve of us, in a van, and drove us up to Stirling. And we did a one-day trip up and back. We got in at like 3 in the morning. Uh, got home, But we did a one-day trip up, and we saw the Sterling Fair. So that's how I knew that, that fair. That's a neat fair, because it is in the woods. It's in the middle of the forest. And you really do feel like you're in the, <laughs> yeah. the, in the, in the Renaissance. Yeah, you think you're in there with Robin Hood and his merry men. Uh, it's totally, that's exactly <laughs> the, yeah. And it really is like that. Even when there's no fair, you're like, it's a very fantastical kind of place. Yep, it's cool. So there was a ski resort right there? Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Know. It's called, um, oh, it's changed names a couple of times. It's not, everybody will know it as Strolling Forest. It, it, it might be called like Powder Ridge now or something. Um, but it's in Tuxedo, New York. Yeah. Mount Very Tom cool. is on the other side. What is it, Just a couple of, of, it was way up there in New York, if I remember right. Um, it seems to take forever to drive there from Pennsylvania, is what I know. <laughs> no, let's see. Hold on a minute. It's, no, Powder Ridge is in Connecticut. What is, now I got to know, Sterling Forest. No, it's um, it's probably about an hour north of the city. Okay. Yeah. Uh, maybe, I'm oh, sorry, maybe like an hour and a half. Which, yeah, from where we were coming from made it like five and a half or six. Yeah. Yeah, right. yeah, yeah, yeah. Too so long for, for one day like we did it. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> and for me, I mean, it was like 25, 30 minutes from my house. So I would just, you know. Zip right up there. I don't know what the name. I can't find the name of it. Uh, what the new name of the place is? It's driving me crazy now. Well, while you're looking that up, why don't we get on with the show? But before we get to our stinking cute pony alert, we have to congratulate Kat, who joins us once a month with the Eat Your Tart Out segment. And she gives us recipes and chats food with us once a month. Well, she won't be doing that for a couple months because she just had her baby. Yay! She had a big baby, too, didn't she? Nine pounds, ten ounces, and she had it through natural delivery, she said. Does that mean no drugs? Yes. Okay, that's one freaking tough woman right there. Yes. (laughs) Yeah. I never had a baby, but that just sounds difficult uh, to have a ten-pound baby with no drugs. Okay, it's Tuxedo Ridge Ski Center. Okay, there you go. Tuxedo Ridge. That's the new place at Sterling Forest. Got it. 
Okay. Well, Cat's baby's name was Emma Gail Nielsen, so she had a little girl, and oh, uh, she had a big girl. Big girl. <laughs> it came out with a full head of hair too, so uh, it cooked a little extra time. Uh, but she, congratulations to her and and her husband. I, they look so happy in the pictures, and this baby had very chubby cheeks. So we uh, we're very Which excited is for cute. her. Super yes. cute. It is super cute. Congratulations, Cat. Good job. Congrats, Mama, Mama Bear. She'll be back someday. She'll be back. You know when the when the baby's uh, when the baby's starting to take. Uh, you know, actually, it's almost easier to do stuff, isn't it? When the when they're little tiny babies because they're totally. not moving around. <laughs> so, yep. Yep. Like, as long as you have an easy to maneuver car seat, which you use probably more in more places than the car, but those car seats are pretty fabulous. You can just pop that little infant anywhere. They don't complain. You know, if they cry, they're not mobile. <laughs> you feed them; they're not mobile, and they have not learned the word "no" yet. <laughs> All right, let's talk ponies. I got an email from the from these people, and they said you got to find out and you got to talk to your audience about this uh, pony. And this pony's ma- name is Ginny the Lionheart, and she this is the stinking cutest mini pony you've ever seen. So we're gonna get uh, we're gonna get her owner on a lady by the name of Tracy Bailey, who I believe is from Canada, and we're gonna find out about how she came to to get a hold of Ginny and why we're talking about Ginny. Because Ginny's stinking cute and special. So Tracy, welcome to the Stable Scoop Show. Hello. First of all, tell me where you're located. I'm located in Windsor, Ontario. Windsor, Ontario, Canada. Okay, terrific. We have a lot of Canadian listeners. So now, tell us the story of uh, Ginny and how you came to to get a hold of Ginny the Lionheart. And then we haven't really talked about why we're talking about Ginny on the show yet. So, and then tell us why we're talking about Ginny. Ginny is a miniature horse that has three hooks. She lost one probably about a year old in a barbed wire fence. Ooh. So they had to amputate the hoof. At a year old? At a year old, yes. So she's lived with this for about three years. She did have a prosthetic leg made for her uh, by the family that owned her before. They took very good care of her. But unfortunately, she outgrew the prosthetic. Yeah, because she was still pretty much a baby at that point. Yeah. Correct. So it no longer fits her now. So we have this GoFundMe campaign to help get her a new one. How did you get a hold of Ginny? My daughter owns horses. Um, She works with horses. She coaches kids. And she happened to see the ad. Uh, When she was young, I always said to my daughter, you bring anything home with three legs. <laughs> Metaphorically speaking. <laughs> little did you know. And she finds this little miniature horse with three legs. <laughs> and you know, horses aren't really made to only have three hooves. Uh you really no. you really need that fourth one. Where was yeah. the um at what at what joint did they do the amputation? Uh right at the hoof itself. Okay. So right right at the coronet band. Okay, so they basically just cut the hoof off. At that and point. how yeah. old? How old is she now? How old is Jenny now? She's four now. Four. Do you have you noticed anything about her personality that has been shaped by her um, her differently abled body? She Jenny is the sweetest little pony, and I don't know if that's her personality or if it's compensation for not having that hoof. That she just well, I can tell you this, loved. not all minis are super sweet, so... Uh. No, no, you're right, you're right. <laughs> <laughs> I've had a couple previous, and absolutely, they could be a handful. So what does she like to do when she's, you know, kind of kicking around the farm? What's what's her passion in life? Uh, grazing on green grass. <laughs> and do you... Do you have green grass often, or is it the kind of thing where it comes and goes and she's always looking for it? Every day she has a whole field she could graze in. 
But so, I take her out every day. I graze her. I brush her. I, you know, fly spray her. Make sure the flies aren't bothering her. <laughs> and every time I do that, she's constantly looking back, giving me kisses on the face or rubbing her head on me. She's just the sweetest little thing going. She's and does she like to meet new her, people? She loves people. Loves people. <laughs> oh, she's always heart. rubbing against them and... I think the fame's gone to her head a little bit, though. <laughs> <laughs> how tall is she? How, how how tall is she? She's probably, like, knee-high. So Maybe she's, a little bit past your knee. Yeah. So she, hey, and I'm looking at the pictures of her. She definitely still looks mini-sized, I mean, to qualify for a mini. Um, oh, she, yeah. But the, I got to talk about the mane. Talk about her mane. This is how she got her name Lionheart, I assume. Uh, she did. She yeah. did. The, the shipper gave her a, a bath, the shipper that picked her up and brought her to me. She gave her a bath, and she took pictures afterwards with this mane, and it was just like, poof. <laughs> and I'm like, whoa, what did we do to tame that down? <laughs> Imagine you wake up, uh, Helena, and you have very thick hair. Imagine you wake up, and you, you, you've been sleeping for three weeks, and your hair is just straight out. And that's what this pony's mane looks like. It's so yeah, cute. Looks like I've, cotton I've balls. Had, I've had hair days like that. Only she's blonde and I'm a brunette. I get it. I get it, sweetheart. I get it. And she's kind so, of palomino colored and has this white mane and it just looks like cotton balls. It's really adorable. Yeah. Now, in in um, a few of the photographs on the her Facebook page, uh, there's a woman who's um, wrapping her hind leg. What's that about? That was the thing. They were doing the cast for her prosthetic leg. For her new one. For the new one. Right. Okay. Right. So what they did was they made the plaster cast here. Essex um, Animal Clinic made it. And they're shipping it to canine orthotics and prosthetics. Now, canine will make the mold for the prosthetic out of that cast. Now, did you... um, Now, you have a... GoFundMe campaign up right now to help uh, pay for because I imagine prosthetics for horses or dogs or cats or anything are expensive. Mm-hmm. And it's not just the prosthetics. Even after she has the prosthetics, she's going to have to have some sort of rehabilitation to learn how to basically walk again. Her, we call it her good back leg, but her good back leg isn't quite that. It's twisted as well from carrying all her weight from her hind end on that one foot. Mm. So mm. eventually she may need a brace on that one to kind of get it straightened back out. Okay. Well, it's good. I'm looking at her pictures. It's a good thing that you're keep. you know, minis can end up looking like Thelwell ponies with bellies down to the ground. And with her, it's so important that you watch her weight and make sure she doesn't. It looks like you're doing a good job with that. Um, she has gained a couple pounds. In fact, I said to her the other day, honey, I think we got to cut back on the grain a little bit. She didn't like that. She just gave me the old, you know, what are you talking about here? (laughs) Being a pony owner, I know that feeling. Mine has to stay in his stall now because even the muzzle wasn't working well enough. He has to stay in his stall all day now. He's only turned out at night. And when I go to get him in the morning, he wants nothing to do with me. Uh, no. He has figured that out. Ponies, uh, ponies figure that stuff out pretty quick. Well, we're going to post a link to the GoFundMe campaign, or you can just search GoFundMe.com and search for Ginny, Ginny the Mini, and it'll pop up. Uh, you, you're, at, you're at half your goal. You're at $2,585 with, uh, I don't know how many days left here, but um, uh, of 5000 So you're halfway there. Halfway there. All right. That's great. And it's been a lot of, look at all the donors here. I'm looking, just looking there. It's been uh, a ton of different donations. And you can donate as little as, what, $10. Uh, so it's... it's uh, Anything it, helps. It's doable. Well, very good. Well, thank you so much for joining us. And good luck with Jenny. She is thinking cute. She is. Thank cute. you. <laughs> Hi, this is Gina Moronic from Wisconsin, and I am an official Horse Radio Network auditor. It's something I'm really proud to do and to be a part of in a small way because 
it's something that I get a lot of information from. The Horse Radio Network uh, and the convenience of the downloadable podcasts means that I can improve my horsemanship skills, my riding skills, um, or just really enjoy listening to friendly, informative programming whenever I'm driving to work or working on chores or at the barn even. So I hope you find it as enjoyable as I do. If you do, go to horseradionetwork.com and click on the banner to become a Horse Radio Network auditor. For as little as a dollar a month, you can be involved in this great thing too and keep it going. Thanks. have a company in the horse world? Are you looking to get the word out about your products, services, or shows? At the Horse Radio Network, we understand our advertisers need to reach the equestrian consumer in the most efficient, cost-effective way possible. Internet radio shows like this one, also called podcasts, allow the flexibility and creativity to craft unique messages that stand out from the herd and reinforce your existing marketing and social media strategies. If you want to learn more about advertising on this show or any of our shows on the Horse Radio Network, contact us at Glenn with two N's at horseradionetwork.com or you can call us at 859-951-2022. Our listeners are terrific, engaged, and avid horse people, the ones that you are looking for. Next up, we have Emily Thompson, who is co-host of the Horses in the Morning show once a month when she does a special jumping episode. Emily is a Grand Prix jumper, been doing it most of her life, and uh, we have her on to talk about horse buying in Europe. She just got back from a buying trip there, and she's going to tell us, kind of give us the horse buying in Europe 101. Well, hi, Emily. Welcome to the show. Hey, Glad to be back or on a new show. This is new for me. Hey, I'm t- excited. Tell me, Emily, Remind. Uh, tell everybody what day of the month are you on Horses in the Morning? Okay, it is the first Tuesday of every month, and it is all show jumping. Pretty awesome. It's jam-packed every time. It's actually coming up, I guess, t- two weeks or so. Yep. Starting to get our guests organized. She, uh, Helena, she has more guests in an hour and a half than anybody I've ever seen. <laughs> <laughs> it's like 10 guests in an hour and a half. <laughs> she has, I know she, everybody's like, uh, Emily, you just have too many people, I think. It's like so like crazy, like one person going to the next. I'm like, well, I don't know. I mean, I feel like I turn a bunch of people down every episode, too. So you got to keep the peace. You either know? that or her ADD is worse than mine. And she's like, <laughs> like That's hard I'm bored with you. On to the next. <laughs> <laughs> Seriously, I know. And then I forget, like, half of my questions, too. I'm like, wow, we had that person on and didn't even, like, gear it towards what I thought was interesting. But it ends up being interesting anyways. It is. It's a good show, and you're a lot of fun. Thank you so much for doing that. Well, now, we are, I saw on your Facebook page that you recently made a trip to Europe uh, on a horse-buying expedition. And what we want to do here in this segment is talk to you, have you kind of give us a horse buying in Europe 101. You know, people here kind of have an idea, when we want to buy a horse, we go to Dream Horse or Craigslist or wherever, you know, depending on your <laughs> price range. Um, so what do you do? Like, I'm, I just won the lottery, and I'm heading over to Europe, and I'm going to buy my first European horse. I'm assuming I just don't go to the European, uh, you know, like the uh, uh, Dusseldorf Craigslist. Um, so You know, you can. Um, it, honestly, <laughs> Do they even have I, a Craigslist in Dusseldorf? I don't know. Probably not. Um, maybe. I don't know. I think it can be, I mean, shopping in Europe is it's awesome, uh, depending on what you're shopping for. People don't realize the prices are actually quite a bit better over there because a lot of times you're shopping direct to dealers being your breeders even that have large number of horse head and need to have turnover. There are also many state auctions um, that are like high end, not like an auction kind of sounds here. It's like super catered to the spectator and it's, it's uh, always like this really beautiful events and people buy tables and all of this. You can get top quality horses for a little bit uh, more reasonable prices. So there's really a bunch of different ways to do it. I would say backing it up to sort of your involvement, your discipline, um, whether you're doing show jumping, dressage, eventing, will then gear you towards probably a location. Um, for me, I I had a few orders that I was shopping for, so I um, 
I ended up really needing to covering all my bases. It was epic. I went to like every single contact that I had at four different countries. It just, uh, you, sometimes you have to do it that way. You can be much more targeted if you're shopping for a personal horse for yourself. Hey, um, Emily, cut, and, cut, cut a personal yeah. horse for yourself. You, you, you keep hitting, uh, the dial buttons. We're keeping beeps. Uh, is, is your keypad open on your phone? It's not. Yeah, I keep getting. Do you hear that, Helena? Yes, I okay, am. Okay, okay. It's it's almost like your ears touching the you know keypad or the something. Keypad, yeah. yeah. Oh really? Yeah. Well, just. Uh, All right, I'm going to hold it still. Yeah. Here. See, see if the, I don't know what what we can do. It happens sometimes with guests, but. Uh, all right, so okay, well, we'll... Uh, yeah, let's do it from okay. I'll come in with a question. Three, two, one. So now I I, I talked to other professionals who are going over to Europe, and a lot of them use uh, brokers, uh, horse brokers. Now here in the United States, you say horse broker, that doesn't necessarily have a good connotation in the you know for Americans, but it's a different thing over there altogether, right? You know, it depends. It, you you need to find the right people. Um, I think that, yeah, it's, there are agencies that are set up that have trainers who they charge a, uh, a finder's fee commission, and they will agent through all of their contacts to try to find you the right horse. Um, I think that it can definitely be done that way. It's possibly, personally, I think, you know, if you're not going over with a trainer, um, then, then maybe that is the way that you have an agent that is going to get look through their personal contacts and through all the different farms that are in the area and find something that's suitable for you and then help stand behind it. If, if it doesn't work out when you bring it all the way home, if it's not quite the horse for you after a year, you're developing it, they can help resell the horse, find you a new one. You want to have backup. You know, you don't want to just win the lottery, go shop for horses and buy something that's not right for you. So how you do it is very important. Yeah, because shipping it back is a little more complicated than uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> than you drove an hour. It, it totally <laughs> is. It's very stressful, you know, because you just don't have a lot of time to get to know the animals. So you really need to trust your your team um, to to make sure that you're making the right purchase for yourself. Certainly, as an amateur horse, it's very important that every horse has the same, like a USDF number, depending on where they show, what country they have a number. You can track their show results. You should see what they've been doing. Who bred them? Where did they come from? You definitely want to be like, you know, an investigator. You want to be like creeping online for weeks before you purchase anything. Would you suggest that people um, who may be new to this to new to this level of, of shopping to do a little bit of that here in the states in terms of um, if you've been shopping for something a lower level or a lower priced horse, um, maybe go up a level practice so to speak here in the states um and then take that overseas meaning i i just have this sense that like there might be people be like oh wouldn't it be fun to go try some dutch warm bloods or wouldn't it be fun to try this breed or that breed and then you know get on a plane sometimes they have more money than brains i know i'm gonna get flamed for that but it happens um (laughs) you know the truth and and then they they go over there they they do have you know the time and the money to buy a quality horse um, and then they come back only to find out that the horse really isn't a good fit for their need. And at the end of the day, they're going to go through the heartbreak. You know, they may be able to afford to make a mistake over there. But, you know, when your heart's broken because you've got your heart set on this great new partner. Um, so this is this is the scenic route to do you think that people should have a little experience shopping at that level before they go overseas? Yeah. Or does it sure. not matter? I think, I think it's really valid. Um, you know, it's. For me, what I did, and for all of those are really valid things, and, I, and it's pretty, I dissuade people from going and just shopping in Europe just because I think they should be part of a trainer group. They should have backups. They should know where they're going. For example, my um, when I had a business down in Dallas, uh, Eric and I did for, gosh, um, this is like maybe eight years ago or so, we had... Uh, were plugged in with a dressage barn down there that I did some business with. And they had this contact over in Germany to go study at the state riding college in Oldenburg region, which if you're German, you have to get a certification to ride, a license to lunge, drive the tractor, train, all of these things. And everybody has to go through the same courses, the textbooks, it's governed by the FN. So we actually coincided with our shopping trip each year, we would take students, our students, to the state riding college in Vecta. And all of the kids would take courses. They would learn how to ride. 
my feeling is if you're buying a horse from another country, they you should probably know how that horse was trained, what is the, the background, the foundation, which is primarily dressage over there. So we had our kids come and take two-week courses before they would go to the stud farm shopping. And when they brought something home, before it came home, they brought it back to school. And the school would help give them classes and sort of that foundational work, the dressage, which we're really missing in this country for the hunter-jumpers. And uh, it would, it was really smooth. Thank God we didn't have any problems like that, just, you know, mismatched riders and horses. But uh, it's a nightmare. That's how it does go wrong. When it goes wrong, it's, it's a bad match, you know? Yeah. What do you and, think, Glenn? Well, Are you going to go was, over to Europe? What are you going to get? Not yet. And if I do, I'm bringing Emily with me. Um, <laughs> not because, not, and, and there's two reasons for that uh, is we just have a lot of fun, too. So, um, we do. We do. <laughs> so now let me ask you, though, what do you do about vets? I mean, I assume you're going to bring a horse. You're going to pen, spend 10th grand driving or flying a horse back from Europe. You're going to do a vet check uh, on, a, on that price horse. So how, is that something that you arrange or that your, your contacts arrange? How's that work? It depends. If you are shopping with a agent, like we discussed, then they'll help you arrange all of those things. Um, if you have a trainer, I would suggest going to one of the major stud farms, Stolt Ramsbrock in Germany, Schakemol, you know, one of these big uh, name brand stud farms that have, you know, three or 4,000 horses. And you can go through specifically what you need. Okay, they help match. And when you really feel confident that this is the horse for you, you don't necessarily have to be there for the vetting. I've done it both ways. Sometimes I'm there. Sometimes I'm not. Uh, what you do is you arrange or your agent arranges for a vet check clinical, which is ears, eyes, wind, flexions, and then also your x-rays. And the x-rays are taken there, uh, however many films and angles you like, and they can be mailed to your vet of choice in the U.S. And also the clinical exam can be videotaped, which is what I do. I can't be there all the time, but I want the clinical videotaped and, and my vet goes over it all. And well, that's, that's, yeah, I mean, that's thorough. And, yeah. and then I assume that uh, obviously if the horse is finally sold, you, you're going to have a fee for the broker. Uh, you're also going to have to fly it back here, which what, what's the going rate for that nowadays? You know, it really depends. You get a deal for more horses. There's three horses to a pallet. For one, you're probably going to be normally around in that 6,500 range, a little more sometimes. It depends. Um, I try to get more horses. Personally, I go over shopping, you know, for multiple clients, so I try to get as many on a pallet as possible. It's cheaper for everybody. Can um, I just say, you know, I don't know how what Helena yeah. thinks, but I think when you said horses on a pallet, it sounded funny. It just sounded funny. <laughs> <laughs> I know, it's outrageous, the whole thing. Hey, what I'm exactly? Doing my own domestic breeding. <laughs> well, so I don't what exactly? Do anything is about a pallet. Pallet. <laughs> I know. Pallet. It's like, uh, you know, the factory over there. There are so many horses. When you land in, I, I personally love to go to Germany. I think that's the highest quality and highest concentration. Um, and when you're flying in there on the airplane, I fly into Bremen is in the Oldenburg region. It is outrageous how many horse farms you can see just like ring after ring after ring. It's wild. Uh, uh, well, I know that Jennifer just, worked on a, at, at a standard bread farm, a big one in Pennsylvania, one of the biggest in the country. And, you know, you talked about 2000 horses. I'm like, you got, do they have numbers? And that's how they did it at the standard bread is they were all numbered and the number was always on their halters or somewhere. Oh, wow. Uh, and that's how they could tell the horse was by number because there were so many. Uh, yeah, they don't do numbers at the, the stud farms that I go to, but the horses are just their color, gender, and then the parents the sire's name and then the damn sire's name so it'll be like brown gelding cornet arpeggio and you're like okay the first you know is gonna have to have a name put on its passport when it's time to leave <laughs> so sometimes you do end up naming them for the first time wow <laughs> yes. well the important question is did you find any horses while you were over there having fun oh i saw God. all the pictures of you jumping and jumping and jumping Oh, I know. It was epic. I mean, some days I tried up to 16, 17 horses. I never stayed at a, the same hotel for two nights in, in a row. Two nights was my longest always. And then I was out of there onto the next place. We just I was looking for a few different clients. And then I was also looking for a development horse for me to ride. So it was kind of like, we need to leave no stones unturned here. Like, this is outrageous, but we're doing it anyways. And uh, I did find quite a few horses for, for clients. And, and they're going to trials and being vetted, which is exciting. 
And uh, I don't want to speak too soon because I'm only in the middle of my clinical exam, but I, we are vetting uh, a horse for me to develop. Um, so we're super excited. I hope, I hope. Oh, our fingers are crossed for you. I know. It'd be cool. So we'll see. I went to where it's really great to, uh, to shop my best contacts, which I love. The quality is always great. It's a Selransbrock. It's in the Oldenburg region in Germany. And it's a stud farm, but also a training barn. And he has a hundred jumping horses under tack at any time. So you always have pretty much whatever you're looking for. It can be found there. It's kind of one-stop shopping. And, you know, he guarantees the horse. If you don't like it, something goes wrong, he'll trade it back out for you because he has so many and he loves the, uh, <laughs> he loves to have good business, of course. So yeah. I, I feel good when I shop there. I'm like, you know, what? for me, that's really, you got to shop at the big stud farms personally. You get good prices and a, and a little bit of backup. Is there is there something that you've learned through this experience or, or through this this part of your career? Um, do you do you have an appreciation for the different breeds and their abilities, or do you find that that they really aren't that great? It's not that much of a difference. What it really comes down to is the stud farm where they came from, or how are they they were raised or trained, or is there really a distinct difference in in breeds versus what they can? do or how they or how well they're matched up with the, with a new owner. I think there really is. I think it's all those things. Um, I think, you know, I'm, I, the breeding is so important. That's temperament, that's confirmation. There's, I, I think I, I did go to so many different places. For example, I was in France, um, which I was not specifically looking for horses, although I saw a few, but I had to check in on the little stallion that we sent overseas to be developed because he's like a wild man. Like he was unmanageable as a stallion on the ground, but over there they have young horse shows. So we went and he was in the five-year-old stallion section, which is like the juvenile delinquent section. It was crazy. He's like, they're all like screaming and, and all this. <laughs> delinquent so section. Like, That's right. Go to your room. So <laughs> I was like, wow, there was no hope. Like I would have been kicked out of every ring I went into at a USCF show. But all of them are like, oh, you know, screaming and all of this. But in France, you know, the French stud book is different. They have more thoroughbreds. You're going to have definitely a different type of horse than you're going to find in Germany. So you have to, for sure, shop where you are comfortable that that's the type for you, depending on discipline and what you're going to do with it. And then from there, absolutely, the upbringing is so important, which is why, again, I like the big stud farms because they're all they're working around many other horses. They're folded into a big program. They're on and off the truck at a young age. They're on and off the walker. You just I feel like you have more of a socialized animal at a younger age, although they don't push them because there's so many like I tried quite a few five-year-olds that were gelding, so they hadn't gone to the stallion shows, which made them a bit behind, but they were only like six months under tack, and they were already ready to horse show, but they started so late, they just put them through the dressage, and the horses come along, and I think it's a better way to shop. I really do. The, the larger the larger stud farms are going to have that, that upbringing that, that you really need that good foundation with a show horse at a young age. Mm. Well, very cool, Emily. Thank you so much for enlightening us a bit. And uh, it was fun (laughs) watching all the pictures on your Facebook page of your travels. That was fun, too. Oh, my gosh. And uh, I I can't imagine how uh, tired you were at night after trying 16 horses in a day. That (laughs) Oh, gosh. Yeah. And then if you saw a bunch of bad horses, the discouragement just... Oh. I had one day where I didn't see any good horses and I just thought like, like, you know, the world was over because you're so tired anyways. And then also no good horses. Ah, but no, we did. It was redeemed by the end of the trip. Thank God. <laughs> <laughs> well, well, thanks, Emily. We appreciate you joining us. It's Horses in the Morning. Uh, two things. Yeah. It's Horses in the Morning. First Tuesday of every month. You can go there and search for Emily Thompson and you'll get all our past episodes if you want to take a listen. Plus, Emily makes clothing, Helena, and she makes fantastic clothing. Tell the listeners about that a little bit. Well, it is. We hope it's fantastic. I don't know. It sounded really big shoes to fill there, but it's all athletic fabric. People do like it. It's machine washable, very durable. We have shirts and custom shirts and red stock jackets and custom jackets. We've got all sorts of cool gear. You can check us out online at ECE, that's S-Equestrian.com or ECE Equestrian at Facebook. 
So it's ECE Equestrian is where you'll find all of the products, some terrific products, very classy looking, just like I Emily. I have heard of ECE Equestrian. Yes. I did not know that was you. Now I'm super excited. It is. Well, now tell everybody the important part. Where is it made? Helena is from New York, right outside of New York City, right, Helena? Yeah, we were oh, talking about right. that. Yes. We were talking about that. Yes. Still considered upstate. She's Bronxville. I'm, I'm, I'm I know, right? less yeah, than a half an hour from that, 45 minutes from that. and we're So she's going to be excited to hear where it's made. It is. It is made in Manhattan, New York City's garment district down there on 38th Street, if you can believe it. Excellent. Oh, my God. I'm in love with the men's long sleeve competition shirt. Okay. You see how easily I am distracted by apparel, Glenn? <laughs> and, oh, you know, if, if we had, we, we keep saying that we're going to get some shirts made because she will make custom shirts where on the inside of the show shirts, uh, they can have your logo so that when you have the shirt open, you know, you're not showing, you have it open, you can actually see the logos. Uh, and it would be so, wouldn't it be cool to have Horse Radio Network logo, the little guy, a little uh, guy put on the inside of the shirts? That would be cool. Yeah. That would be fun. <clears throat> now, that I think cool. I think uh, Jamie wears your shirts, right? Doesn't she? Uh, she, she does. Yeah, and she she loves them. She she everybody that wears your shirt. She has uh, some of the top professional jumpers in the world wearing her shirts. So you know, we've been um, really fortunate. They like it, and it's like hard wearing gear. I mean, I'm a horse girl. I do my own work. I braid, brush and braid my own horses, and it's like pretty challenging to keep a white shirt clean at the horse show. But that's sort of where the idea came from. We need to make. Nice, classy, clean-looking clothes for us dirty barn girls, really. Now, didn't you also... How can you do that? Am I talking out of school to say that you met up with Reese and you're trying to uh, get maybe get a dressage line going, too? Yeah, it's true. We're, we're turning the gears. It's looking pretty probable here. Hopefully, for next season, we're going to have a proper dressage shirt on the market. Same fabric, same technical properties, but with a different design for dressage. Reese and, and Emily went uh, to a uh, a fabric what was a fabric convention or something in Miami oh. together. I know Helena's going to die when she hears that. Oh, I know it was so much fun. We drove down to Miami as two horse girls. We took the day off. It was during the work week. Drove all the way down there. So it's like you know what you would imagine a vendor show. Everybody set up in a little booth, but it's just tons of people with swatches and trimmings and elastic and all the little materials, mesh, everything, buttons, the hang tags, you know, everything that goes into it. It's it's overwhelming. Um, But when you know what you're looking for, you're like, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You got to let it sink in first. That's how we (laughs) feel when we go to to Ada uh, every year, Glenn. I mean, Glenn's a little bit more... He's a little dead into it, but I still go there every single time, and I'm completely floored. And then it takes me like an hour to focus. Okay, what am I here for? I got to find this. Okay, good. And then you then you can really, totally. but you still you still get giddy. You still get totally giddy. Oh, I know. And textiles, and fabrics. Then, like, oh my products. god. It's so true. And then, like, every booth has, you know, like, 10 books with a million swatches, so you feel like there's no way you're going to absorb all the information. Well, now, you, will you be there in August? You usually go to, you've been going to Ada off and on. Have, will yeah. you be there or not? I I think I'm actually possibly going to do August. Um, okay. Because, believe it or not, we're, we're looking at possibly doing that PGA show, which is kind of conflicting with January Ada. Okay. All right, cool. Well, then, if you do, uh, Helena's going to come down, and uh, you two can oh, you two can hang yeah, out we'll together. Yeah, we'll be there. We'll make sure we go out yeah. to dinner one night. Uh, yeah, we'll totally. It. It'll be better weather, right? Jeez. January yes, and the so last time we met there, oh. <laughs> <laughs> me and Glenn were like in our like winter clothes inside, like the shameful Floridians. <laughs> <laughs> thank you, Emily Thompson, S Equestrian, right. ECE. Thank you. Bye, Emily. Bye, guys. All right, bye. bye. <laughs> Isn't she fun? I love her. She's a lot of fun to do shows with, too. She's great. And and quite a jumper. I saw her uh, doing her thing when we were down in Wellington. And over the winter, she has a place down there. She goes down there over the winter and shows. And it was kind of neat to see her actually do her jumping thing. So... Uh, very cool. Very cool. Okay. Well, let's uh, let's do instead of tack and habit, 
We're going to end the show with something, uh, a lot of fun today. We're going to talk food. And this is in Kat's honor because she can't make it this month because she's off having babies. So we thought I would do this in her honor. And it's the time of year when the fair season is getting started across the country. A lot of uh, the northern states are having their their state fairs already. And there's a huge market in state fairs, by the way. Millions and millions of people go every year. And I noticed a lot of the Food Network uh, shows now are around fairs and fair food. But they always every year come out with the new things, and and, uh, fairs kind of lead the way for foods that either sounds really gross or is really bad for you. So that's what we're going to talk about today is the new things coming out at fairs. And we're going to play a little game, and Helene and I will play, and you can play along at home, and that is Would You Eat This? So are you ready, Helena? Yeah, I'm hungry too. So okay. <laughs> there might be a lot more yeses than I'm going to start kind of mild and see. This is kind of mild butter chicken samosas, and that's pastries filled with chicken in a tomato curry sauce and served with a side of green chutney. Absolutely. I don't like curry, so I have to pass on that one. But I knew you'd like that one. That's why I brought that one up first. Creamy now, pastry. I don't yeah. care if it's sweet or savory. Yes, Chickeny, right. good. Mm. <laughs> now, here's the next one. <laughs> this is a little bizarre. It's called a burger dog. It's a ground blend of hamburgers, hot dogs, bacon, cheese, and a splash of jalapeno on a hot dog bun. B- ground beef. <laughs> Say that again. Ground okay, beef. Okay, hamburger. Yeah. Ground hot dogs. Yeah. Bacon, cheese, and jalapeno on a hot dog bun. Absolutely. Yeah, I, I would try it too. I hate I'll to take say five it, of them. <laughs> that sounds I don't good. know. Hamburger and hot dog together just sounds like it might work. In Especially fact, when that you sounds throw bacon so good, in. It almost made me swear. <laughs> That's a, I thought that too. I, was, I didn't know if I was the only one. Okay. <laughs> All right. Cowboy Bites. This is in Texas. Texas has a great state fair. I want to go there. It's on my bucket list. Um, sweet corn kernels, uh, bacon, jalapenos, and cream cheese blended into bite-sized balls, breaded and fried, and served with ranch dipping sauce. Okay, yeah. you put cream cheese and bacon together, and then you add jalapenos and some corn? Oh, I would do it. Yep. There's yep. a new barbecue place here in town that's serving something called... Uh, Spoon bread, only it's cornbread, but it's not solid cornbread like cornbread normally is. It's yeah. more like a, uh, it's more like stuffing, a cornbread stuffing, but it's made with real corn in it. Oh, it is to die for. It's like candy. <laughs> Ugh, we love that stuff. All right, Grandma Deb's Snicker Bar Salad. This is chopped, you're going to love this one. This oh, is God. chopped Snicker Bars, Granny Smith Apples, Tossed in vanilla pudding and whipped cream and drizzled with caramel sauce. Duh. <laughs> Super duh. God. Duh. That one make you hungry there. Oh, my God. <laughs> Jennifer's like wanna, lining I'm, up for that one. She loves caramel and apples and Snickers bars. All I'm that. on a like forever diet, too, so that's rough. <laughs> like, I'll never see that. All yeah, right. I'll, I'll ruin your diet face. with this one. Okay. It's called Hot Tail. This is also out of Texas. Roasted pigtail coated in scallion ginger sauce. Roasted pigtail. Pig yeah, and it looks like a tail. Yeah, uh, that uh, that I'd have to draw the line at the tail. <laughs> I knew yeah. that would just uh, wipe you out for a while. So that brought you back down to earth again. And then I'm going to take you back up with this one because I just want one of these right now. Okay, okay. Mac and cheese cupcake. Mac and cheese nestled in a breadcrumb crust, then sprinkled with breadcrumbs and frosted with a dollop of cheese whiz. <sighs> oh, you know what? <laughs> I would not eat that. No? That would give me a tummy ache. Oh, I would eat that in a say. I love mac and cheese of any kind. That would, I do too, but it's way too much. It's uh, It's going to be rich. <laughs> Yeah, that would be cheese whiz on top. By the way, I I know it's bad for you, and I I know it's not good, and I know it's uh, it's uncouth. But I love cheese whiz. You could just pour it in my. Mouth. I like cheese whiz too. Hey, I am <laughs> not above and... tilting my head back. And I know, the I know. And, and we we confess we're rednecks. We confess that would be we fine. Would. But when you add the breadcrumbs and the macaroni and the butter that goes with it, it would just give me a tummy ache. Now, if I had a stomach of steel then my taste buds would be more than happy, happy. to indulge. <laughs> well, here's one that is just why. 
This is just a why, okay? Because when you go to fairs, there's so much good food to choose from. Matter of fact, when we go to fairs, that's the problem I have. It's like, it's overwhelming, and you go, I only, I'm only here for a day. I only got like three meals, four if I push it. Yeah, so, yeah. you know, I only can try like three different things. What am I going to do with all this good stuff? Why would you do this? Spam burger in five new flavors. Yep, a grilled Spam burger with cheese and onions in your choice of five flavors. Jalapeno, hot and spicy, bacon, hickory smoke, or black pepper. I might try the bacon hickory. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know that I've ever actually had Spam. Really? Yeah. No. Really? Yeah, I think I have not ever had Spam. Oh, I'm going to send you a can. You're gonna no, in fact, it. I can tell you, I have not ever had Spam. You have spam. a case shipped to your house from Amazon, so you have to try it. Like, uh, I don't even think I dabbled in college. <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> no. Wow. What is Spam, exactly? It's like What's ground it? goop, and it comes out in a goopy sort of s- substance. Out of the okay. can, and then you 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 have to fry it or something to make it edible. I'm um, I'm pretty it's sure big, that big big spam is huge in Hawaii. Really, they eat spam of all kinds in Hawaii. Uh, yep. Why? Uh, let's get on to one that's better. You're gonna love this one. Okay. Okay. Stuffed Italian meatloaf on a stick. Listen yeah. to this. Listen to this. Italian meatloaf stuffed with mozzarella and pepperoni, topped with marinara sauce and a parmesan herb blend and served on a stick. I would try that right now. Just give Absolutely me one of those. no problem. No problem. How about this? Wine fried kale. Yes, battered kale. Fried crispy in wine and served with a sweet Thai chili sauce. I, 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 Start the beginning. I missed the, the first it's part. It's battered of it. kale, like kale, yeah, like the leafy I would stuff. Do it. I like kale. Fried crispy in wine. Yeah. And served with a sweet Thai chili sauce. Absolutely. <laughs> I Delish. thought that one sounded strange. I really did. It sounds good. And now here's. Ta- go ahead, go ahead. Yeah, you like you like kale though, and so, I don't know. I'm I I can eat some greeny stuff. I'm I'm on a strict part of my diet, so I'm really sick of salad right now. Um, the next one, having come from Renaissance Fair background, I ate a lot of these, but not quite this way. Deep fried bacon wrapped turkey leg. That's right. Just what it is, sounds like. It's a deep-fried bacon wrapped around an enormous multi-pound turkey leg. And the guy tried it and said it was absolutely delicious. And they use a Guinness beer battered bacon. Uh, so you got Guinness beer battered bacon wrapped around a turkey leg and fried. <sighs> like I would do that in a second. Um. Yeah. Yeah, I just I don't understand what is it with this list that's challenging. Well, there were, I know. Well, here's a here's a, a fry dog. It's okay. now this is a new one. It's just a new way of serving it, and I would eat this too. It's a it's uh, exactly what it sounds like. It's a hot dog wrapped in French fries and then deep fried until it's one crispy junk food on a stick. <laughs> so the French fries become your bun. I, that's just perfect. It just saves time. Yeah, right? saves effort. It's all in one place. Yeah, dude. At this point, I'll like I'll put a rock in some deep fried batter and eat it. That just <laughs> okay. Here's a strange up. one. Okay. D- out of Texas again. New this year. Deep fried sweet tea. Here's how do you do that? Well, here you go. The South signature drink is combined with their signature cooking technique by blending brewed sweet tea into a custard filling. It's then coated in a graham cracker crust and deep fried and topped with sweet tea syrup. That sounds like your teeth would rot out just eating it, doesn't it? It just sounds that would really be a nice, sweet. like you know, with a uh, with a what do they call that when you have a cocktail after dinner? A, a, a partif or a uh, uh, cordial. A- Maybe a cordial uh, aperitif. Yeah. Isn't that before dinner? Oh, you're right. I think it's a cordial that's after dinner. It's like sweet stuff. Yeah. How about alligator? How about alligator sausage on a stick? No, I'm not interested <laughs> in alligator. I yep. and and I also don't like frogs' legs and other amphibians. I believe it or not, the guy who doesn't like any seafood at all, nothing that comes out of water. I actually tried frogs' legs and liked them. Get uh, out! I did. I Get tried out! frogs' legs and I liked them. They tasted just like chicken. If I'd closed That's my sweet. eyes, I would have not have known. <laughs> 
I knew that's what you were going to say. It did. It tasted like chicken. Uh, I know that's just a thing. Now, I have tried alligator, too, and it did not taste like chicken. I don't care what I mean. What did it taste like? It tastes like slimy fish. I just, uh, you know me, I don't like fish. It had a fishy taste? Everything out of the water tastes fishy to me. You know, uh, lobster tastes fishy to me. Everything that's out of the water tastes weird. And the other thing I can't do is is the texture of seafood. (laughs) It's just gross. Anyway, here's the last one. Okay. The King. This has been around a while, and it's been apparently was gone for a while at a Texas Fair, and it's back. It's the 2005 Big Texas Award for the best new food at the Texas Fair. Okay. It's fried peanut butter and jelly and a banana sandwich. So they make a they make a sandwich, and then they they. They coat it in the tempura batter. You know, they make a peanut butter, jelly, and banana sandwich, and they coat it in tempura batter, and they deep fry it. Oh, man. And apparently they use lots of jelly. I would love that. That would sound really I like good. that, actually. That that's, really good. That's, um, a, that's the Elvis deep fried sandwich. This is so sandwich. unfair to do to me. At, we're taping this at 2 o'clock in the afternoon. And I've had, you know I've, had? I've had earthy, crunchy granola cereal for breakfast. 18 carrots, 18 baby carrots. I had two and a half ounces of grilled chicken from last night. And that's it. <laughs> and now I have like to go and have my afternoon snack. So <laughs> and all I want to do is take a big glob of peanut butter and jelly and deep fry it. You know, one of the things <laughs> I'm allowed to have in my diet, and it's so satisfying right now because we're in that season down here, is watermelon. Uh, we have such good watermelons. A lot of watermelon comes out of Florida, right around where we are. So there's roadside stands everywhere just selling watermelons. And uh, uh, I can have that. It just gets my sweet tooth satisfied, you know? Uh, and yep. there's like, what, one calorie in a, in a slice of watermelon? Um, it's all water. So uh, so I can actually have it on my diet. It's not too, it, th- That sugar apparently doesn't count. So I'm happy with that. That's it. Oh. Now, did that make you want to go to the fair? Um. We've no, been to the fair together, you and, and I, actually. Cut open that watermelon I have sitting on the counter. <laughs> you I'm and I have been to the fair that. together. That, that helped. We went to the Thompson Fair together years and years ago. Uh, is it Thompson? Who? You and I. What? Yeah. What fair? We, is it Thompson Fair, the big fair you have up there? Is it Tom- Topsfield? Topsfield. Yes, we went to the Topsfield Fair. The, to- you lost Gracie that day. Oh, my God. That we were with you that day. We oh. saw the Royal Canadian Mounties that day at the Top yep. Field Fair together. So we have been to a fair together. Yes, we have. That was See? a farm fair. That was an agricultural fair. It was fun, though. That was a fun fair. Top that was a lot of fun. Yes, Grace was, she was nestled in between the sheep. Remember, we couldn't find That's her, right. and I had a freaking you meltdown. Did. You did. You had a meltdown. But she was only like four then, right? Yeah. And she was, she had climbed in with the sheep and decided to sit down in their little straw bed and, you know, just have a chat with them. I think we had half the fair looking for her at that point. <laughs> oh my God. It was horrible. Fortunately, it didn't last long. We found her pretty quick, but it, it probably for you seemed like uh, three days. Yeah. I mean, for what, however many people, 10,000 people that are there. Mm. And yeah. Oh man. That I was know a, it was scary. It was scary. But it was funny. She's like, I was just hanging out with the sheep, just mama. Hanging out with the sheep. We had a I'm good like, rest good. of the day after that. But I, I remember you not letting her go. You like uh, <laughs> tied your scarf around her neck and uh, drug her around the rest of the day. But uh, It was all that I could do to not get one of those stupid harness things. Hardest thing. You thought about it after it. we discussed it. I remember that. <laughs> yeah. Now, you know what? If I had no, okay, with the technology today, if if I had a four year old or a three year old, I'd GPS microchip tracker. the shit out of her. Yeah, that's right. GPS <laughs> <Sorry>. tracker. <laughs> I would totally microchip her. I'd put some kind of homing device on it. I would put like drone technology in her so I could steer her back home. <gasps> oh, that was the most horrible hour of my life. Yes, that was. It really yeah. was. But she's good, and we yeah, and we all ate yummy, delicious. And I'm sure she food. doesn't remember that. No, she remembers no. me telling the story because I tell yeah. it with such, you know, enthusiasm, passion. <laughs> yes, exactly. Passion. Yep, that's we were there. That's why you forgot we went to a fair together. Is you tried to put that one out of your mind? I really, yeah, <laughs> I have, I have. All We've right, been back well, to the Topsfield Fair several times since then, but 
Yeah, and I still fair. get a little freaky. Yeah, I bet around that one building where we lost her. <laughs> it's like, and it was where the animals were. Is the building we were in actually? Yeah. Yeah, they were. Right. She was sitting in That's among right. the sheep, and That's they right. were the cows. And we were looking everywhere was... outside that building. We started. We lost her in the building, and we were looking everywhere outside the building. Yeah, outside the building. <laughs> yeah. And I never thought to like, you yeah. know, look in the animals. <laughs> in the animals, yeah. And then I did, and I I saw these two little pair, of, this little pair of legs, I'm like. I'll be dipped. That's how you knew she Where was going to be an animal person. <laughs> yeah, I know. Be careful what you wish for. All right, let's call it a day. Thank you so much, everybody, for joining us. We appreciate it. Thank you to our guests and our sponsors. And also, you can find Helena at? You can find me at flirtingwiththeworld.com. We've been very busy over there. So if you like fashion, if you like horses, and if you happen to be a wise and whimsical feminine spirit, you'll find lots of cool stuff at flirtingwiththeworld.com. Of course, you can find Stable Scoop at StableScoop.com. All of our past episodes are there. Going back, uh, you realize that we're going to be getting together in August, and August starts our eighth year. Wow. 2008. That's right, right? No, seventh year. No, we'll be going into our eighth year. We'll have finished our seventh year. That's right. So we'll be, wow. (laughs) So we can celebrate together for a change. Yeah, I know, I know. And I just found out that, um, I don't know if that's going to be the day you guys are here, but the Newport Polo organization, they're offering a screening of Snowman. Oh, really? Yeah, the movie. Oh, wow. And we talked about going down to Newport anyway. That'd yeah, be so it just, they just announced it. So um, I was like, I'm going, I'm going. Get, get us into okay. that. Get us in. Get us okay. In. All right. We'll get you in. We'll get All you. right. Thanks, everybody. That's it. Thanks, everybody. We will be back next week with more. Until then, happy scooping. Scooping.